Our sermon passage this morning is from 1 Peter, chapter 1. And we'll be reading the first two verses. This can be found on page 1188, or 1188, of the Pew Bibles. First Peter, chapter 1, and this morning we will just be reading the first two verses. And before I read, would you please join me in seeking the Lord in prayer? Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, you have promised to meet with us in worship. That by your spirit, you will be here with us, receiving our worship, preaching to us, building us up, making us mature. And so, Lord, with the gift of your spirit and your word, I ask that we as your sheep would hear the voice of our shepherd. That you would change us, Lord. That we would come to see the beauty of all of what we have in Christ Jesus what you have accomplished for us, and what you are even doing now. Allow us, Lord, to put aside distractions, thoughts, worries that might preoccupy our thoughts, so that we may hear the word, that we may grow in faith, that we would be a people in awe of your majesty and reign. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Peter, chapter 1, the first two verses. Please give your attention to God's word. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Uh, Well, Peter is writing to Christians who have a bit of a problem. Uh, They heard the gospel message and believed it. They place their faith in Jesus Christ, and Peter writes later, though they have not seen Jesus, they love him. And because they are following Jesus Christ, they've had to make some changes. Uh, They've broken away from the traditions handed down from their fathers. Peter writes about that as well. They've noticed that there are times when in society they cannot participate in the celebration, the feasts. They can't work like the rest of the Galatians. Uh, They have to reject certain ethics or ideals because now they follow Jesus Christ. And in breaking away from the norm, what's common and celebrated, uh, here's a surprise, their neighbors and families haven't cheered them or celebrated about this. We're so happy that you're breaking away with how things go here in Pontus. But in fact, they've been experiencing some persecution. 
It's not quite at the civil level yet, where you can bring a Christian before the emperor and say this person is a Christian, and they would be martyred. This persecution is going to be more on the social level. Uh, We don't want you in our markets. If you won't uh, give uh, honor to our gods, you can't sell and trade here. We don't want you in our family. Uh, We don't want you to have any offices in our towns because you're one of those Christ followers. So you're dealing with this tension, a problem. I'm following Jesus and I have neighbors and family members who hate me for that. Forgot you guys were over here. I'm going to be looking your way. And then you get a letter from Peter. And of course, everybody knows Peter. And so you're excited about it. What is Peter going to write to you about? Now, if we were getting a letter from Peter, we would be a bit tempted to go right over the greeting. You know how it is. If you get an email or a text message, you go right to the body. That's where the the good stuff is at, right? In the body of the email or the letter, I'll find why you're writing me, what do you want me to know and to do. Uh, But that's not how greetings work in the epistles. Uh, Even in the beginning, in this greeting, we see that Peter is writing, teaching, exhorting the church about this problem that they had. That they're loved by Jesus and yet rejected in the society that they're in. And so we're asking this morning, what's in this greeting? Uh, Again, uh, it can often be that, you know, maybe when you're doing your personal Bible reading, you only have a little bit of time. So you think, let me just quick read these two verses and and get to the good stuff. But friends, uh, the greeting is part of the good stuff. It's not as if Peter is just saying, hey guys, it's Peter, just checking in. Uh, but he is addressing them and giving them an identity that is important and crucial for what they are experiencing. And we know that Peter is doing this because he gives them a really weird title. He calls them chosen pilgrims. We get the pilgrim in verse 1 and the elect in verse 2, but in the Greek... It's just smushed right together. This idea of being chosen, selected, loved, and then being an outcast, a pilgrim, a stranger. They're smushed together and Peter says, this is who you are. Of course, we would ask Peter, why in the world would you think that's a good thing? Why is that something to celebrate? That we are elect pilgrims. Uh, Because... Really, they sound like opposites. When you are elect or chosen, you're loved. You're important. You have a place. But when you're a stranger or, or exile, you're, on the out, you're an outcast. You could be homeless. You're not valued. And these are being smushed together. Peter is writing to these Christians that being a, an elect exile or chosen pilgrim is an honorable and glorious identity to have. And he makes this case by giving two reasons. One, being a chosen pilgrim means you're like Abraham. And two, more importantly, it means you're like Jesus. You see, there's two reasons why you can end up in exile. One, you're a slave in Egypt. The Lord comes and delivers you and your people out of slavery, brings you to Mount Sinai, where you enter into a covenant with him. 
He says, if you obey this covenant, I will take you to Canaan, the land of lands, and you will prosper. You'll be the highest of all the nations. If you obey, uh, the milk will flow and there'll be honey everywhere. (laughs) But if you disobey, if you break the covenant, the land will vomit you out. You will be in exile. You'll be a wandering people. And that's the case of Israel. But this isn't the comparison that Peter is making. He's not saying to these Christians in Pontus or Bithynia, you're in exile because you're like Israel. He's actually saying you're in exile because you're like Abraham. This is the second way you can be in exile. You get called to something better. You are in exile. You're displaced in this world because you've been called to something better than this world. Now, you remember Abraham, before God comes to him, he's that moon-worshipping pagan in Babylon, following the traditions of his fathers. And then the Lord comes to him and calls him to something better. This is Genesis chapter 12, the first three verses. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, commenting on this call, says that this is when Abraham becomes an exile. That he realizes that He must embrace the promises of God and long for that better city. Embraced the promises of God and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That's the way that Hebrews chapter 11 puts it. And what do you know? Peter uses those same words, strangers and pilgrims, to apply or to relate to Christians in chapter 2. You, brothers and sisters, are strangers and pilgrims, not because you are under God's punishment, but because he has called you to something better. Something better than this uh, passing and fleeting world. And so you are called, like Abraham and Sarah, to long for that better city. There's a lot of blessing in that. There's also a lot of difficulty We know that in Abraham's life, his sojourning was not without sorrows. A lot of wandering for Abraham. Uh, He gets his uh, his nephew gets kidnapped, and then he has to go and fight against a band of kings to capture that nephew, only for that same nephew to cause uh, trouble for him later when there's an argument about lands and shepherds. Who gets the better land? Of course, we have that. Very difficult passage in Genesis 23, where here uh, Abraham is haggling with the locals about a place to bury his dead wife. Think about that. It's land that God has promised to you, and you have to haggle to find a place to bury your dead wife. Being elect and chosen does not mean that we will not experience difficulty. Being elect and chosen does not mean in your place of work, in your family, that someone will say, I'm so happy you're a Christian. 
It doesn't mean your opinion will be valued. For the church, it doesn't mean we will always have power and prominence in society. Because we will also, in addition to being chosen and loved by God, we are pilgrims. We are strangers. And so what is the the church to make of uh, the, the, the low estimation that society has about her. What are we, how are we to respond when it's very clear that you are not valued, that the church is not valued? Well, it depends. Uh, what is the suffering or persecution about? If it's about foolishness, well, that's kind of a, a different matter. Uh, Peter is well aware that Christians can... Uh, put themselves in the line of suffering, receive rejection and persecution uh, for being rude. (laughs) Uh, He writes to Christians and says, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yeah, Christians can suffer uh, for treating unbelievers as if they are not image bearers. Wanting to be more sarcastic than godly. Wanting to win arguments than to win individuals to the Lord Jesus Christ. Making the mistake of confusing uh, Jesus' agenda with uh, one's favorite political party. Uh, Peter says when you're suffering for for those reasons, uh, this is not for the sake of righteousness. But Peter writes, if you are reproached for the name of Christ... Blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Blessed are you. Uh, We can hear that that Peter has been remembering and reflecting on Jesus' teaching. Uh, You remember the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, where Jesus says, You are blessed when you are persecuted for his name's sake. You are blessed when you are mistreated on account of Jesus' life, his death, his teachings. In fact, you're being treated like one of the prophets from of old. Peter says, when it is your good conduct in Christ that is being reviled, you are blessed. Uh, But if it's your tweets, or if it's your... uncharitable social media post that is causing persecution, Peter says, humble yourself and return to walking in the path of Jesus, letting his word, his teaching be the stumbling block and not your conduct or character. He writes, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness or gentleness and fear, having a good conscience, That when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Well, our earlier question was, why should the church value this identity of being chosen pilgrims? We talked about Abraham. It means you're like Abraham. That it isn't uncommon or new to the experience of God's people To be a stranger in this world while being blessed and loved by God. Another thing that Peter gives us to remember or helps us value this identity is to remember that it applies 
to all the Christians throughout the world. Peter ends the letter by saying uh, the church in Babylon, and he's referring to being in Rome, you know that Peter's in Rome, but nothing just reeks of exile more than Babylon. So he says the church in Babylon, who is also chosen, there's that chosen exile combo, greets you as well. That when we experience persecution, suffering, being marginalized here in the States, we should remember our brothers and sisters who are often a lot closer to the fire than we are. Praying for their strength. Being stirred by the witness and example to serve the Lord Jesus with boldness. But another reason, or as I said earlier, the most important reason why this chosen pilgrim identity is glorious is because it belongs to Jesus Christ. It means that we are being like the Lord. That Christians are chosen and rejected by men because they are in Jesus Christ. Christ who is also chosen and rejected by men. In chapter 2, Peter writes that Jesus was rejected indeed by men and chosen by God and precious. And that, under, uh, that word chosen is the same Greek that we have here in verse 2 of our sermon passage. That Jesus is the chosen one. And because we are united to him by faith, we share in this experience of being chosen by God and yet rejected by men. And so if the Lord Jesus was rejected, how could we expect that there would never be a time where we would experience rejection? How could we expect to be treated better than our Lord? That if coming into this world, taking on flesh, experiencing uh, the miseries of this life, the difficulties, the rejection, if this is not something that the Son of God is, uh, is free from experiencing, how could we expect that the church will not have to join our Lord on that path from suffering to glory? Being pilgrims in this world until we are with him forever in the new heavens and the new earth. This is what uh, Jesus would preach to Peter and his disciples about. Here's John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. Peter is calling the church to do the very same thing that Jesus called Peter and the other disciples to do. Believe Jesus and be like him. What do I mean by believe Jesus? Believe his word. That when the world says... You are holding us back from progress, church. You respond in faith. The Lord Jesus has called us to belong to him. That he is using us to extend his kingdom. We are not in the way of progress. When the world says that you're Christians, you should be ashamed. Believing in Jesus means we can say, what reason 
uh, do I have for shame when the Lord Jesus has called me to be his own? Why should I, I care about how you value me when the creator of the universe has shed his son's blood so I can belong to him? This is this, this navigation or map that Peter is giving us in our time of exile. It's the travel plan. Believe Jesus and be like Jesus. Believe his word and what he has said about us. Not believe the lies, the chants, the hashtags of the world. And it's not only that Peter calls us to believe Jesus, but as I said, to be like him. And he shows us how this is possible in verse 2. It is this Trinitarian work that calls us and enables us to be like Jesus. In verse 2, he says that this is according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And that foreknowledge doesn't mean uh, you know, that God has insight or he has some sort of secrets into what's happening. No, the Lord knows the future because he is the one who causes it to happen. And he knows exactly what's going to happen because his will cannot be thwarted. And what he decrees or commands is what's going to happen. And the Father has purposed that the church will move from exile into eternity with the Lord. That we will uh, take on this path of suffering like the Lord Jesus before we enter glory. Again, this is what uh, the path that Jesus takes. That he goes to the cross before he receives his crown. Uh, Elsewhere in Philippians, this is what the Apostle Paul is getting on about in chapter 2. Philippians, uh, have this mind of Christ Jesus. Moving from this period of humiliation, which doesn't necessarily mean you have to be humiliated, though it may happen. But it just means that in this period where it's not clear to all what the, the, the church really is, her beauty, her glory, her splendor, is not presently seen. And we pass this period of humiliation to exaltation, where we are freed from misery, freed from wrestling with sin, freed from the scoffs or rejections of the world, and we are with Christ forever. This is the Father's purpose, and it is the Spirit who has set us apart It is this personal agent of God's power that has brought us into a distinct life. Sanctification can just be better understood as being set apart. You've been moved from one realm to another. In the case of Israel, they were moved from this realm of Egypt and defilement to holiness, to God's presence, to belonging to Him. From our reading this morning, we saw that It wasn't just the the blood of Passover that redeemed them from their sins and brought them out of slavery, but there was also this blood in Exodus 24 that consecrated them to be a people for obedience. That it was blood that set them apart to have this distinct life of being obedient to God. And this is what we see here in Peter's letter. For obedience and sprinkling of the blood of of Jesus Christ. It is now no longer a single people group uh, in, in a mountain in the ancient Near East that has this distinction of being set apart for Christ. But now, Jesus Christ, by His Spirit, 
has called Christians in Pontus, Galatia, Bithynia, here in Cambridge, to be set apart for this distinct life, obedience to Jesus Christ, bringing glory to Him. You know, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting about uh, Peter's letter is his movement from identity to obedience. Uh, particularly because, um, you know, this week, as you go throughout the week, uh, that's actually going to be the reverse order that many of you will be tempted to follow. If you want to have the distinct life of being successful, important, popular, uh, wealthy, content, I'll use that with air quotes, content, uh, you have to obey this. You have to go to this school, get this degree. Uh, invest in this company, be friends with this group. And if you obey these rules, you will have this distinct life. Obey the path, obey the rules that we have, uh, have passed down. Make sure you're saying that you're being an individual while you're doing it. But obey these rules and you will have this distinct, exalted life. Here, Peter writes to Christians and reverses that order. You're chosen. You are loved. You belong to the Father. You've been set apart by the Spirit. You've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Obey. You have the greatest identity, the greatest calling in the world. Now obey. Because you belong to Jesus Christ, because you have this distinct life, go into your place of work, go into your homes, go into your community, And obey the Lord Jesus Christ and bring glory to Him. When when there's talks about Christian obedience, there can be this little little voice here in in the, the mind of a Christian. Obedience? Is that it? Came all the way from Philly just to say, go obey. But friends, do we not see the high price that Jesus suffered so that we can obey. Can you not see that there is nothing greater you could be called to do to to start Monday morning with a deep awareness of I belong to the Lord and He will shepherd me through all my difficulties. And while others get to go to work and uh, go to study and be students, Hoping to be someone, I get to enter work, school, my family, my home, knowing that I belong to Jesus Christ with the great calling to bring glory to God with everything that I do. What would you trade that for? Tomorrow, you are going to start your week with a sense of who you are and what you're supposed to do. Do not trade, church, this wonderful calling you have to be chosen pilgrims, to know that you belong to the Lord, and to know that in all of your actions, you follow the Lord and bring glory to Jesus Christ, and obey to show that you don't treasure this world and the the desires of the flesh, but you cherish Jesus, that you belong to Him. And as you are giving yourself to that, remember that you must consistently be pleading with the Lord for strength. I love the way uh, he 
gives that greeting and then says, Grace to you and peace be multiplied. And I don't think this is Peter trying to be cute. But this is Peter saying, For such a high calling, you need strength. So ask the Lord for grace. Ask Him for peace. And give yourself to this high calling of being chosen pilgrims. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who you have known from eternity, whom you have set apart by your spirit and washed by your blood. Give them strength. By your grace, help them to enter into their callings as obedient sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen them, please, Lord. Help them not to be discouraged by the lies of this world and the opposition that they may face. Help them to remember that they are blessed. 